This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have a very special guest and then someone who's just kind of sitting in in the background. If you hear her, it's Aaron Sorensen. That's who's there in the background. The special guest, former black shirt, Nebraska DB, Josh Mitchell. Josh, this is the first time I've gotten to speak with you. This is the first time I've I've had you on my podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, one. Um, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. Um, new dad, so life's been good. It's been a lot of sleepless nights, but as you can see from my glow now, I've been getting some sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you, you're living the dad life now is what Aaron tells me. How is that? Aside it from is, not being able to sleep. It, see, it was, it's really cool. Um, I didn't know. I'm, I've never really been around newborns in this capacity before. So I didn't realize when everyone says like they're kind of boring, how boring that really meant. But then how exciting it gets when they start doing like little things. And my son's only three months, so he can't do anything yet. He can't, like, go anywhere or move too much outside of picking his head up. But it's the most exciting thing in the world now. Have you given him a football yet in his crib? Not yet. He does have football things around him. But he's just now starting to grasp, like, holding on to things. So that is coming very soon. It's coming. Are there any other, um, like, sports balls that will answer the fray or is it just football only football oh he's gonna do everything he probably he probably won't really do too much football until he gets a little bit older i'm not gonna destroy his brain (laughs) (laughs) at such a young age dad wanting to protect their kids that's funny (laughs) um and he's super super cute i know that you and your i know you and your wife have been very like protective of sharing too much of him but in the little bit you you have he is absolutely adorable he thank you so so he looks just like his mama i'm sitting there i'm like all right all right you got my nose i'll take (laughs) okay so we will lead off this podcast with the most important the most pressing question facing us as a society right now did you like the super bowl halftime show or did you not like the super bowl halftime show Ooh, i paid attention to a good majority of it because they said the weekend put like seven million of his own dollars into it and i just I didn't not like it, but I guess I spent more time trying to figure out where he spent all the money. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like it, he had to come that much out of pocket for what I watched. But it was entertaining. Maybe it was like the, the robots with the red eyes behind him to start? Possibly. It had were? to be that. Maybe it was that he had to fly out all of his dancers and get everyone COVID tests and put them up in hotels. That makes more sense. I did see a TikTok of a dancer from him behind the scenes who walked through sort of what it took for them to do that. And it was, I mean, I guess 7 million probably doesn't, doesn't take you long to get through it with the amount of protect, like how much they had to protect those individuals. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea. He spent his own money. 
a lot. That that's what kind of got me interested in it because I haven't really watched the halftime shows the last couple of years. If I'm being honest, I'm always hosting, so I'm I miss half the game sometimes. But yeah. I was not going to miss this one. Uh, well, <laughs> it it sucks that this was the game that uh, you didn't miss because it wasn't. I mean, it, it was entertaining if you were a Bucks fan. It was probably not entertaining for Aaron and the rest of Chiefs Kingdom. Um, <laughs> But like, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. The, the, I saw a, a thing on TikTok that was like his show was sort of like walking people through like what he's been through in the last however many months or, or whatever. I don't follow him like his personal life. I don't follow him um, real closely. So I, I didn't really know a lot of the things that, that, the, that the video was talking about. But like it, it goes through like him starting out and then him hitting fame. And then I, I guess he had some kind of facial procedure or something like that. And so like the guys, I joked and said they were wearing diapers on their face. Like the guys that had the white stuff on their face was like representation of him at a low point or something like that. So like, I mean, I thought it was like, he has an awesome voice. He's got a catalog full of hits. He's entertaining to listen to. I mean, I didn't have any like terrible issues with it like some people on social media were like blasting him i was like i mean it gave us some memes so that's fun so. I, I thought it was cool yeah i also think it's so hard on a stage like that and i think people like to be so critical but i mean how many times have we heard everyone wanted to hate on what jennifer lopez or what beyonce or mm-hmm. all of these incredible artists have done but one you're asked to put a full blown performance together that's going to happen over what like 10 minutes if you have any, if you're able to go up there, good for you. And sorry if like younger artists do things that like some people don't like, don't really care. I good, good for people who just have to like take that on. I can't imagine what that would be like. So like at least give the guy, like, I feel like people need to give him credit for just taking that on, especially in a year like 2021 or whatever, or whatever year. Money. <laughs> on the halftime performance, which makes me think he didn't make money. So guess what? What are you complaining about? There you go. Amen. Josh, what'd you think of the game itself? Did you think that this was more a case of the Tampa Bay defense led by your old teammate, Levante David, just winning the game? Or did you think that there were just issues on Kansas city's offensive line? They couldn't overcome. As a defensive guy, I was excited about the game because the Bucks defense went crazy. Yeah. Like just the way they played their cover, because everyone knows what happened the first time they played. Everyone wanted to talk about Tyree going for 200 in the first quarter. We knew that wasn't going to happen again, but it was like, okay, are they going to play man to man like that again? Or what are they going to do? And just the way that they moved their coverages, dropped their safeties and got after Patrick Mahomes and who was throwing dimes while falling on the floor was crazy. Um, Obviously, you got to tip your hat to the to the Bucks defense, and at the same time, it's like the Chiefs dropped some passes. Now they dropped a couple that would have made the game tighter, of course. But I, the, from the first quarter, I was like, okay, the Bucks are going to do this. I could just tell. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you got to just stop betting against Tom Brady. There's no point anymore. That's fair. As a DB, would you have done the same thing that Antoine Winfield Jr. did to Tyreek Hill at the end of the game? One thousand percent and i probably did to give him like 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 a little drop kick after just because i'm extra (laughs) that was that was an incredible moment in a game full of of like incredible meme moments that was probably one of the best 
I I know I'm getting older because I'm watching guys that I watch play. I'm watching their kids play in the Super Bowl now. So I'm like, what's going on here? He got flagged for that, didn't he? Did he get flagged for that? Yeah, but at that point, the game was over. So you might as well take the 15. That's fair. I just, like, don't throw a flag for that. Like, it's like the dude that that dunks on somebody and then stares him down in college that gets teed up. Like, the the generation that says, like, everybody is too soft nowadays. Like, I don't watch the NBA because it's too soft. Bill Lambier, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. All, like, like, I kind of just roll my eyes at that. But, like, some of some of the time, like, stuff is too soft a little bit. Like, he shouldn't have gotten Agreed. flagged at the end. I loved that, what Winfield did. I love dudes, like, yamming on a defender and then staring him down or doing the – doing the Sean Kemp point like that would get a technical in today's game, which is dumb. So I'm all for like being extra, being out of pocket, being extra. It's um, entertainment, right? Yeah. That's what it's for. That's exactly what. And so whatever. Um, Levante David, your teammate, he said yeah. kind of in the week leading up to the Super Bowl, he said in a press availability, um, you know, he kind of talked about the way his career has gone. He's been with the Bucks for nine years. Coaches have cycled in and out. Defensive coordinators have cycled in and out. He has been a a constant with that Bucks defense, um, and he's one of the most. I don't know. I don't know if he is the most, but he's one of the most tenured guys with that Bucks team. And he made a comment where he said he knows who he is as a player. He knows kind of where he stands as a player in the overall league. He's been underappreciated through his whole career. And he said, um, like, people are going to see with this stage that I have now, people are going to see what they've been missing for the last nine years. As I'm mm. saying, he's been underappreciated his whole career. You're nodding, his, you're nodding your head. Why do you think that is? I, I think it's because of the draft class he was in. He was in the draft class with Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley. I'm pretty sure that was, that was their draft class. I'm, I'm 100% certain now that was their draft class. So I think people got enamored with, you have to think about it. When Bobby um, got into the league, that was the Legion of Boom time. The Seahawks were going to the Super Bowl. Luke went to the Panthers. Cam was playing at an MVP level. They got to the Super Bowl. And Tampa was doing what? Absolutely nothing. So their games weren't on national television. Who's really watching the Bucks play? Who I don't even remember who his quarterback was his first couple of years. And then at that point, we saw how that turned out. So um, the guy made all pro a couple times and hasn't made a pro bowl. So it, it just, it, the fan vote part of it, I understand. The popularity part, I understand. And if, if anyone knows anything about, about Levante, he doesn't say much. He's just about his business all the time. So quietly, he's been dominating the league. He's been a top three, top two, sometimes number one linebacker in the league and gets no recognition for it until TB12 stepped into, stepped into the organization and now all the eyes are on him. And it's been amazing for people to actually start talking about his game and then now going back and watching some of his old film because like it's, he's been in, doing it for nine years. So if he's at this point nine years in, how, how much more explosive do you think he was year four, five? So it's great that he's getting this recognition and he better be in the Pro Bowl next year. He better be an all-pro next year because finally people are – putting his name on the map and it's time for him to get that recognition that's well-deserved. I respect any athlete that goes through um, those trials and tribulations. And you can always look and go on the other side and be like, Hey, the grass will be greener over here. I can go to a bigger market, but he stuck to it. He's been good to that franchise and look where it took him. And I was going to say really quick, Derek, like 
exposure is so important too. And I will say as a Kansas city fan, being able to get Kansas city on Monday night football and Sunday night football, just having eyeballs on him. I think people are going to start seeing what so many people knew about Levante, but now seeing it for themselves because you win a Super Bowl, I assume you start to get that coverage. At least they should I, give. I mean, he was on Good Morning America, uh, right? A day or two. He after. was on. I, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> I was like, what? He, Good Morning America. Did you see he was like running late because he like ran out of gas, and it was like the most perfect <laughs> like human thing ever because you know here you've just won a super bowl the last thing you're probably thinking about is does my car have enough gas in it right now yeah, and... i hope he didn't leave that rolls royce on the side of the road <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> that's that's a great segue though that he's he he's every, so i didn't get to cover him i wasn't here everyone that um that covered him while he was in school talks about how humble a guy he is, how down to earth he is. You just said so yourself. He's a quiet guy that likes to handle his own business. And here he is on Good Morning America a day after winning a Super Bowl. And he's like, yeah, I forgot to put gas in my car. Like how often, <laughs> how often do you get to talk to him? And has he, has he changed at all over these last nine years? Maybe personality wise, come out of a shell a little bit more, or is he like the same guy that you played with at Nebraska? He's the same dude. Um, I remember a couple of years back when I went out to Tampa to go watch a mirror play and hang out with the Toby. And I was in town. I just texted him. I was like, hey, Levante, I'm coming to the game. I'm be in town. If you got some time, let's link up. Hit me back. We went to lunch and just chopped it up like like old times. We keep up with each other every now and again through some text messages. But I try not to bother guys too much because I know how busy they are. Um, and anytime I hit his line, he always hits me back. Um, he's cool. Tay's just a cool dude. He's not... He's not caught up in all the limelight and this and that. He's just, he's who he is. Um, you can see how much he's just, he's always been mature, but you can just see how much more he's just matured as a man, as a ball player, and just um, as a mentor, uh, a public figure in the community of Tampa. Like I said, people maybe across the whole country weren't hip to who Levante David was, but you step in Tampa, he is, everybody in Tampa knows who Levante David is, what he does in the community, the type of person he is. Um, you don't you don't see it every day. A couple of years ago, um, Will Compton organized like a, a youth football camp in Lincoln. You were part of it. Levante was a part of it. Why why is that important for for you guys? For him? For you to be back here helping youth football where you played? More more than anything, just being able to uh, come back to Lincoln and, and put on any any type of program, whether it was Team Jack, whether it was a youth football camp, and just show our love for the community that embraced us when we were just a bunch of young punk kids trying to figure it out is is something that you're never going to say no to. Um, and, and the opportunity to be around your boys again, because once you split from college, everyone goes their separate ways. Some guys continue to play ball. Other guys go into different phases of their life, and you change so much. And um, you don't realize how what really connected you more than anything was the football, but how you are so much more connected outside of football, too, that each other after a couple of years, you're like, yo, you're, you're into this, too, or you're into that, too, just in outside of the football aspect. Um, you rub off on each other so much, then it's just cool to, to, to see your boys doing great and not have to talk every day or even every every week. It can be a whole six months to a year you haven't spoke to somebody but the minute you link up it's 
like you never skipped a beat. And you're doing, you're doing stuff coaching kind of youth football now, right? What are, what are you up to? Yes, sir. So um, I've been training the high school at, well, really at every, at every level of athletes. I mainly have high school players, but I got some pro guys. I got high school players. I got youth athletes. I just started coaching DBs at my high school too. So just trying to give my knowledge back to the game, trying to tune these kids up and give them some discipline in this sport and, and life in general. I like to not just call myself a trainer or a coach, but I think more so like big brother mentor. Um, I understand how I understand what these kids are going through. I understand the journey they're trying to go on and I can, I understand how much people can blow smoke to them. So I feel like they just need somebody who's going to keep it really real with them and, and really work them. Um, I tell all my kids like, Hey, what's your goals. Right. And they can tell me their wildest goal is say, I want to be an NFL hall of famer. And it doesn't matter how much I do or don't believe it. I say, Hey, guess what? We're going to work for it. So just trying to teach them that discipline and um, instill something in them that I think is going to carry them throughout life because this game will end way sooner than they think. And those, those characteristics, those morals, those um, the same attitude you have when you, when you're really trying to get after it in a sport is the same thing you need to take into life. Your Instagram bio says change of direction master. Mm. What does that mean? That So whew, I'm glad you asked. Football is a 100% change of direction sport. Everyone's enamored with the 40, right? You get into a 40 and you run straight. When do people just run straight on the football field as fast as they can? Very, very few times, right? So for me, um, I'm very enamored in, in teaching people how to really stop and go quickly, instantly, how to shift their weight and control their bodies. Uh, because people think sometimes that this whole game is all about how well you run this route or how well you um, can cover this guy and they skip so many steps. So I like to teach people how to really move their bodies. I'm like, if you learn how to move your body at an elite level, you'll be surprised how much more plays you make once you really start to pick up on those other details. Now, do you get out there with your kids and try to like show them up or anything like that? Or are you, <laughs> are you like, I'm a dad now I'm an old guy. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt my knees. You do it. <laughs> I try, I try to uh, only demonstrate a little bit because I have a knack of when I get out there, it gives me an itch to want to play again. And I, I try to, uh, I love ball, but I, I try to just remove myself as much from that itch of wanting to play again, because I know myself and I know that I have the ability to want to train or not shouldn't say I have the ability to want to train. I have the ability that if I did train to play, I could try to play again. So I just do a little bit. Um, just to keep it simple. Okay. So I, I really quick, I wanted to ask you, Derek, I wanted to follow up on this really fast. Josh, I love when you talk about being a like changing direction, because not only with the game, you've also shown, you've also shown in this year, how important it is to be able to change direction because you don't know what life is going to throw at you and how, uh, it's not like anyone predicted a pandemic, but you have, you have changed and you have changed your direction however many times because you just have to adapt. And I think that that has to obviously translate for these players as well. They have to see that not only on the field, but how it can affect them off the field of being able to adapt and evolve quickly when life throws something at them unexpectedly. 100%. Um, like, I, like I was saying earlier, one of more than anything, the, the, the coach tag, the trainer tag is great, but, uh, my favorite tag is just 
I tell my guys, you can call me Coach Mitch, you can call me Coach Josh, but some days I'm not going to be coaching anything. I'm just going to be Josh, right? I'm just going to be big bro. I'm just going to be mentor, whatever you want, um, because there's just so much after the game of, of football, basketball, soccer, tennis, whatever you play, there's so much more life after. And for me, the number one thing is adaptability. Uh, it doesn't matter if you go to the biggest college in the world, the smallest college, at some point, things are going to change. You have to be able to adapt. When the pandemic hit, um, I feel like I adapted instantly to it because a lot of, a lot of my athletes were just kind of like, well, what are we going to do? They canceled all their sports. They didn't go to school. They told me, all right, well, we're going to cancel school for three weeks. I was like, oh, no, you're not going to sit at home on the couch for three weeks and do nothing. We were going to going to parks and working out and getting kicked out of parks. People are calling the police on us. You know, we're social distancing and keeping it simple as possible, but I just refuse to let them sit. Um, I couldn't imagine being in the prime of my teenage years, um, uh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th grade and, and not being out there and being active and, and working toward my goals because these years are so prime and they go away so fast. And it's been tough to kind of see some of these kids drift away from the sports and drift away from the things because they couldn't go outside for a couple months. And then they just adapted to the new life of, Hey, I'm in the house and I'm playing the game. Yeah. They got to, they got to find a way to sort of open things up recruiting wise and, and let high school juniors, sophomores, seniors, kids kind of have this experience. It's, it's sad to watch um, on the, you talked about the itch to play. Is there a part of you that sees Gronk come out of retirement, goes to Tampa, <laughs> wins a Super Bowl? Is there a part of you that wants to like call up Levante and be like, hey man, save me a spot. Save me a spot. For for me, the, the toughest part about transitioning out of playing the game was um knowing that you still have a lot to give the game. But uh one of my coach in Toronto he's he had a he had a, a quote that just stuck with me and he said you can love the game of football all you want but football will never love you back so that that just stuck with me to a point where I was like okay I was getting back into it after my second knee injury and when I got to a point where I felt like I was healthy enough to to give it a go again I realized I couldn't get to my top speed like I used to and the number one thing for me is I try to really be a realist with myself and I was like all right Josh check this out you're coming off of two knee injuries. The second one was a major knee injury. You're not the biggest. You're not the tallest. You, you're fast, but you're not the fastest. So if, if I, you're taking away probably the best thing to your game and you're dumbing it down a little bit, this probably won't be it for you. So um, the itch to play is, is always going to be there, especially when you see your boy still playing that you played with, right? But that transition in your mind of, of being somewhere else and just being happy with where, where you're at and, appreciating what you have and what you did is, is amazing because it, my thing I always tell all my kids now is I'm, I'm like, you can ask anybody I play with. They'll never tell you <laughs> that coach Mitch was trash. And I <laughs> hang my hat on that. So I'm like, Oh, you won't see me going on that field and do something that's trash. It's probably really fulfilling to, to, to now be transitioned to still be like with the game of football and be kind of transitioned into helping. You talked about being a bigger brother, like that's gotta be fulfilling. Oh, very. Because I, I just remember the the guys that took me under their wing um, and helped me out in my my growth and my, my maturation process. So for me to be able to to, to give that back is, is amazing to come back to my hometown and and be in the community. And the, the biggest fear for me was always being like, oh, well, 
I don't want to be the guy that's around high school and whatnot. And they're like, didn't this guy graduate? Didn't he, what are you doing? Right. So I remember when I would first come around and tell the kids, like, hey, before I was even really training, uh, I was working out with my buddy. And I was like, you guys are more than welcome to, if you see us out here, come join. I'm getting some work in, do your thing. And I just remember some of them would look at me sometimes like, this dude's washed. <laughs> then fast forward a couple years later, they're the same ones. Hey, hey Coach Mitch. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on. Let's get this work in. Okay. This might be a, a reach or a stretch, but I'm going to ask anyway. You, Levante joins the team in 2011. You're a redshirt freshman. So he's there for, for two years, your redshirt freshman year and your sophomore year. Was he one of those guys that – different positions, obviously, but was he one of those guys that maybe took you under their wing or, or did you learn anything from the way that he prepared or practiced or, or model the way that you kind of approached the game after anything that he did? Well, well what a lot of people don't know is Levante and Stanley Jane Baptiste were two of the people I – two of the first people I spoke to when I got there. Um, Cause we kind of got to Nebraska a little bit later than other people that had come in that summer in, in the class that we came in. And um, just from, just from day one is funny because <laughs> I remember we're sitting there trying to like learn the playbook and what we have going on. And I can't, I can't remember what coverage we were supposed to be going over, but I, I just wasn't grasping it. And Devonte was explaining it to me from a completely different perspective. And at that moment I was just like, okay, this dude, like he knows, he knows what he's doing. And then when we finally got to practice and I was like, hold on, this guy, this guy could play some football to the point where I remember him messing up coverages, but still like breaking the tackle record. Um, he's a special player and just the, the, the cerebral of the game, the, the understanding of where he's going and what he's going to do. Uh, Cause X and those are nice, but sometimes you got to just turn into a ball player. And more than anything, he taught me how to like, really just, okay, at this moment right now, turn into a ball player. Through the X's and O's right here, you obviously know your assignment, know where you're going, but at that point, the X's and O's aren't going to help you shed this block. The X's and O's aren't going to help you stop Silas Red on a third and one and rip the ball out of his hands, right? That's that's just turning into a straight ball player, and um, he really helped me in that aspect of, of of flipping that switch. Okay, he he made the comment. So going back to the the availability press thing that he did, he made the comment where he's talking about how he doesn't like getting in dudes' faces. He doesn't like yelling at people. And I, I, I see more and more football coaches or football leaders, captains on a team. That's their approach. I'm going to pull a guy to the side and kind of show him, okay, this is where you messed up or, you know, this is where we need a little bit of work as opposed to like 15, 20 years ago where guys are getting yelled at in front of everybody else. Guys are getting screamed at profanities flying it, it, I guess, how do you approach things? Like, are you more of the calm, pull people to the side? Or you think there's still kind of a place for being like loud and loud carries a bad connotation because of a select few people, but it's not, you know, being loud is not always a problem, but like, how do you approach things? I think you have to have a healthy balance, right? Because everyone is, everyone gets coached differently. Everyone takes coaching differently. Um, for for me personally, I have I have I feel like I have a healthy balance of both because there are times and there are days where you just need to explain, right? Okay, this is what I saw. This was going on, and then there's moments where the explaining isn't doing the job. It, you're just looking at me now with a blank face. So, but now I have to 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 
light the fire under you, right? And I think there's a way of doing that without disrespecting or degrading a player um, or an athlete. And I think that's where some coaches don't, they don't understand that part where they're just degrading you. You're not helping me at all. You're just screaming at me and you're calling me every name in the book and that's not productive. But there's a way to coach passionately and be productive and yell and scream at you all at the same time. And um, when you do it properly, you get a response. People don't shut down. Uh, because as an athlete, you know, you know when you're wrong, you know exactly when you're wrong. But if somebody all the time is just like, it's okay, it's okay, you're going to start letting certain things, certain things uh, slide by. Sometimes you have to have, you have to have somebody light that fire up under you. And it, it does, it's not them yelling at you that gets you fired up. It's the fact that you know you messed up and you made them react like that. So when, when you're not degrading a player and you're not putting a guy down to a point where they're not listening to you anymore, then you, you can get somewhere. Because this is a podcast and this is where these things tend to come out, I'm going to ask you, do you have a Nebraska story? It doesn't have to be Levante David specific. It doesn't have to be defense specific. But do you have a Nebraska story that maybe hasn't been shared before that is maybe like, or or maybe it has, I don't care, that is a memory that that you hold dear or, I don't know, a moment that is was particularly funny that you think back of? back on fondly when you when you think about your nebraska times what what stories do you have oh i got a couple of them i i I think people have heard the kenny bell poop story multiple times by now i even saw he did something on that what i I have not heard this story uh sorry kenny (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember who we i can't remember who we played but i just remember um going into the game kb like that week i'm pretty sure he had like a like a stomach bug or something he didn't really practice too much. And I don't remember seeing him in the, the meetings before the game, but <laughs> we go into the game and I, he runs across the middle <laughs> and takes a shot right to the stomach. Right. He lays down the trainers go out there. <laughs> so everyone's kind of like, Oh dang, Kenny's hurt. But no, Kenny, Kenny pooped on himself. <laughs> he, 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 when did, who did he say that to this fall? He made a joke. Cause who was the player that had to go to the restroom in the middle of the game? And Kenny was like, trying to like play it off like i've never had that experience before I, was it was that the lamar jackson game <laughs> yeah i'm like crying like right now yeah he was running back and there was like well i know that run <laughs> yeah kenny he, he, he dumped on himself <laughs> Eighty thousand people in the crowd <laughs> but, but he, he 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 was smart though he put on multiple he put on double pants going into the game so nobody knew i was gonna but, say you guys wear white pants too that's <laughs> yeah he, he hit it well but man that one that one was funny that was when everyone found out, like realized what really happened. Cause at first we were like, dang, KB, you good? And he was like, bro, like I shit myself. It's always amazing to me that that doesn't happen more often in sports. Oh, it does. It does. It happens a lot. Like I saw a dude, um, the European soccer team that I follow, it happened to, to one of their defenders. He just straight ran off the, the pitch in the middle of the game and went to the bathroom. And like, I mean, everybody knows the Paul Pierce thing, like mm-hmm. getting wheelchaired off. Like <laughs> those stories are great. Um, do you have anything else not poop related? Ooh. We had a fall camp. We had a fall camp, uh, 2000 and it was probably 12 or 13 
where, you know, you know, you get into the dog days at camp and it's one of those days where I, I remember specifically people's phones kept going off in our team meetings. The big team meetings when Bo would come in and address the entire team. I, we had a problem with people's cell phones going off, just ringing or vibrating or whatever it was. So Bo instructed us not to bring our cell phones to like, don't, don't bring your cell phones from the locker room anymore. If you come to the second floor, your cell phone is over for you. So we're sitting in our team, uh, team meeting room and the cell phone starts going off. And I'll never forget it was Thad Randall sitting in the front row of the team meeting and Bo just looks at him and walks out the team room, right? Comes back in with a hammer. Comes back in with a hammer. Like, whose phone was that? Dad's like, oh, that was me, coach. My bad. My mom was calling or something, whatever, whatever it was. Bo takes the phone from him and smashes it with the hammer. And instantly everybody in their seats is kind of like, oh, what's going on? So dad walks out the team meeting room and uh, Bo follows him. And then they proceed to like argue in the hallway. And then someone starts, it sounds like they're fighting in the hallway at that point. Like you hear him boom, boom, hitting the door and all that. And uh, people start getting up to run out there. And the rest of the coach staff is like, no, 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 everybody stay down and let him handle it. And then uh, Bo walks in, I want to say, probably a minute later, and they put up on the screen that we're not practicing, we're going to a movie. It was just a big, it was just a big joke. So that one was, uh, that was funny because we were going to let, we were going to let Bo get beat up. (laughs) (laughs) Bo liked to play a lot of tricks on you guys. Like the time where he wore the, like the uniform into, uh, he walked in and like, no one knew it was him. I think that might've been UCLA game. Yeah. And I mean, Good for him for getting those pads and everything on. But yeah, he, he liked to trick you guys quite a bit. Okay, so hold on. Someone got their phone smashed as a prank. It, I, I think it was just... It wasn't his phone, I don't think. Okay. But it was an iPhone and he really smashed it with the hammer. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I saw. I was like, oh no. And then when they were pretending to fight, I was like, oh, I was getting whooped right now. <laughs> were there any phones? Were there any phones brought in to meeting rooms from that point on? No, that was it. <laughs> no one dared. <laughs> they knew there was a hammer in the office somewhere if needed. They, no, the skit or not, no, I'm not taking that risk. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a random question for you. You kind of brought this up, um, but I spoke with Barrett Rude recently about Levante. And one of the questions I asked him, and I'm curious to get your take is when you look at Nebraska's career tackles and season tackles, Levante David climbed those lists very quickly. He only had two years at Nebraska to do it. Now, Barrett Rude ended four seasons at Nebraska with 432 tackles. Levante ended fourth on that list with 285. If Levante had two more years at Nebraska, would he have beat Barrett Rude? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Coach. Levante, he would have smashed it, I think. I think he would have smashed it. I what I don't think a lot of people realize is year one, Levante going to the first game wasn't slated to start. Um, Sean Fisher got hurt and Compto got hurt, so going into game one, they just kind of threw Tay in before he, he didn't he didn't have the the playbook down yet. And if I'm not mistaken, he almost set like a single game record for tackles in that for that game. And I remember a couple of times him not really even lining up correctly. <laughs> and just making plays all over the place. So I can only imagine if he would have been four years and played from freshman all the way on, oh, he would have smashed that. Yeah, that 2010 season. So that first one, he ended up with 152 tackles. He is the leading season tackler for Nebraska. And Barrett follows him with the second and third spots. But uh, my my favorite 
I always love this because when I asked coach rude, he said, well, you know, maybe if I had another season in a, you know, in a different scheme, <laughs> maybe I could have added to it. But I think he was trying to talk around basically knowing exactly what you just said, that he probably would have gotten smoked by Levante. <laughs> there's, there's always a, butt somewhere. There's always a, butt somewhere we do, we do that today. Like, Oh man, like, oh. If we would have, if we would have played this type of defense, or we'd have did this, we'd have did that. Oh, I would have, man, I would have. So, no, nah, no, Levante. We true. Look at his look. Let's look at Barrett's numbers from the NFL, and then go look at Levante's numbers from their first couple of years. He you don't had, almost want to. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the hundreds for like his first three or four years straight, and I think, like, I was running the numbers whenever I I wrote that story about him uh, earlier before the Super Bowl, like. I think he's had a hundred tackles in seven of his nine seasons. He, the, the only time I think he dropped in any productivity is when he got hurt. Yep. Yep. That's it. He, uh, he said that him and Sue joke with each other that like, uh, if Sue had stayed one more year, like Levante would have been a first round pick or Sue would have been the number one overall pick. Do you think that Nebraska guys are undervalued oh um yes and i think because i think uh, if i'm being brutally honest i think it's because we underachieved too much where we didn't we didn't get those titles that we probably should have gotten so that's naturally just going to follow you because people love champs right so if texas doesn't get that one second back on the clock and that who knows what happens with that? Who knows what that team turns into, right? If we don't go down to the Big Ten and lay a complete egg and get 18 running backs run, run for 1,000 yards on us in one game, who knows what that turns into, right? So um, as a player, you got you got to, you know, we went out there, so you have to – you under, you understand. We laid some eggs here and there, so you got to accept the reality of what it is. But you win those championships, everything changes. People love champions. You can watch the NFL draft. You'd be like, who, who's that? I don't even remember him on that team, but he was on the team that won the ship. So. Yeah, I remember talking to, like, Darian Daniels and Khalil Davis and Lamar Jackson leading up to this last NFL draft. And, like, Darian said something that just continues to stick with me where he was like, people watched – it was Carlos or Khalil, I get the two confused, that went out there and ran just a ridiculous 40. And um, Darian was like, yeah, people watched him do that and looked at me and was like, we got some athletes over there. And he's like, what do you think? We're just a bunch of scrubs. And they're like, well, he didn't win any games. And he's like, that doesn't mean that we're bad individual players. And so like, you see like somebody like Lamar go undrafted when he probably shouldn't have gone undrafted. And then he's a starter with the jets by season's end. So like, I, I think that conversation is definitely interesting. Like, cause you can apply it to teams that aren't just Nebraska for the same reason that you just said, like, if the, if the team underperforms, the players individually are looked at as lesser than. 100%. Which is always 100%. So, well, I will, uh, Josh, I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing some stories with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for this week. Make sure you're reading HailVarsity.com. Subscribe to HailVarsity. Subscribe to all of the podcast offerings that we have as a proud part of the Herdat Network. Shouts to Sasha for producing this and to you guys for listening each week. Remember, if you have not already done so, go leave a five-star review 
if you leave a four-star review, if you leave a three-star review, two, or God forbid, a one-star review, I will find you, I will find your email address, and I will spam clips of the Scott's Tots episode of The Office straight to your inbox. I have Peacock TV now. I paid for it. I caved because I needed Michael Scott in my life. So I have the ability to do it. I will do it. Be safe. Talk to you guys next week. A Huda Media Production.